Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between the Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Heard through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like HerdPodcast on Facebook, and follow at HerdPodcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem. Tonight, I'm joined by Vato. hey And Jason. Woo! And we are closing out... I didn't out- steal it for you, man. <laughs> not the end of the year. I'm not going to do that to you. Guys, we're closing out 2017. This will be our last episode. And we're starting the way... We're finishing the way we started. Just us. No guests tonight. We're going to talk about the year. I thought you were going to say nude. No. No, no, no. We haven't done a nude podcast yet. No one would know if we did. <laughs> let's not do that. We talked enough about Will's abs last week. So let's that was great. <laughs> um, They're so, out there. We, so we are. Uh, we're drinking as usual. Um, we got some Weller Twelve Year. We got some Buffalo Trace Single Barrel from uh, our friends at Keg and Wine in Redford. And Vato brought this bottle of Presidente brandy. That, El Presidente. El Presidente. The number one um, liquor of Mexico. Thank you. Okay. Make Mexico great again. And that's good and well, but I opened the twi- – took the twist off, off and I'm trying to pour it into a glass and this shit isn't pouring. You know, I'm going to pour it for you and then you're going to be like, oh, Mexicans steal my job. <laughs> I would never say that, but what? let's see if you can just I – mean, what did I do? It's got a controlled, like, you know, pour spot. You just got to – Wait, it's like the that looks more like that's, 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 that's like that's like ketchup or some shit. That was like a dasher bottle. Did you not... even open it right? I don't know. Is it childproof? It is childproof. Is it medicine? What the hell is it? It's metanous brandy, man. Okay, the bottle's broken. It's definitely not coming out. The bottle, Saber it. The bottle might be broken. Saber it. The good news is we've got Weller Twelve. Yes. Oh, there it goes. See, you just got to have some patience. Oh man. All I need is such a little patience. Oh man. Just a little patience, that's all. There you go. Okay. I so. grew up with that in my household, in my family's household, ever since I was a little little vato running around, sombrero hat, you know, just what everyone <laughs> thinks Mexican households are like. <laughs> Even though I'm first generation, don't speak Spanish, but that's all right. But no, <laughs> everywhere I went, there was Presidente, Presidente, like, what's there to drink at the bar? Like, you'd hear the parents and the grandparents and uncles and aunts talk. I was like, Presidente, it's Presidente. So then you get older, it's like, hey, do you have any Presidente? And literally, it is on the top, top, top. It's the highest shelf at the liquor store. So I have an amazing liquor store in Southfield. It's at Evergreen, just north of 10 Mile on the west side of the street. It's an uh, amazing liquor What's store. What's it called? It is called uh, man, I just, I, uh, Park Place. Park Place. Park Place, okay. It's an amazing liquor store. Uh, family-owned. You know, I've watched. Uh, you know, I've I've watched them grow up. They're like, it's just great, right? And they've always gotten everything I've ever wanted. Anytime I've ever wanted it, some type of liquor, they order for me. Um, they got great Christmas packaging, and they sell that stuff. They got wine, this and that. Uh, and they had this, and I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm like Presente. I'm looking at the brandies. I'm like, eh, it's not over here where the regular brandies are. So like, let me look up, 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 up. Oh, there it is, all the way up there. So he's got to get the ladder. They got one of those ladders that are like at the library that scroll across, you know, or at, at a, like a bar, right, that scroll across. And it's like going all the way up. And I'm like, oh, let me have that one. Oh, there's another one behind it. Let me get that one too. <laughs> let me get the one behind that one too. Let me, get, let me let me take all your present because they had a really good price. They have really good prices there. And uh, you just can't find it anywhere. And, and uh, I think that for most uh, folks of Mexican descent, or Hispanic origin that uh, drink El Presente, uh, when they find it, they buy it up because it's just not available in a lot of places. I was in Ann Arbor not too long ago, and there's a party store that's uh, just off of Maine and Huron. 
Uh, it's a pretty decent party store, amazing wine selection there. They have one of those party stores that had the walk-in cooler that you go in and, and they have your beer in the back or you can walk in the entire, you walk through the entire cooler and, and pick out your beer. And so I asked him like, do you have any Presidente? And he's like, oh, look at number aisle number 13 and up in the top. And I'm looking up at the top and I couldn't find it. Cause, oh, one bottle. I'm like, eh, take the bottle. It's just, I don't know. When you're at the, some of these uh, cool party stores, but more obscure kind of things, it's just not carried with frequency because the market I don't think is there uh, because it's it's very niche to uh, the community that I grew up with. So I don't know. Uh, obviously, didn't start trying it until I was older. Right. Uh, right. But uh, what's older? Twelve? No. I. <laughs> no. To be honest, I didn't really try. Uh, I didn't really try this till like a couple of years ago. And I wasn't into uh, bourbons or brandies or brown liquors at the time. Well, no, let's go back farther than that. I didn't really try it until five or so years ago. You know, I started off with the vodka kind of thing, then moving on to gin, then moving on to the the brown liquors. And uh, didn't really get into Presidente until probably 2016, to be honest with you. Which is weird because I grew up with it. It just never... I was, it wasn't in my circle because none of my friends had it. You don't go to a bar and someone says, oh, let me make you a drink with Presidente. And uh, growing up with it, uh, I never thought to try it, even though it was part of the whole experience of the culture of growing up. And uh, I would not uh, pass up a bottle of that uh, Weller uh, if you had Weller and Presidente in front of me. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I do know a lot of people in my genealogy that would. Take the president immediately. Take the president. <laughs> well, the Weller Twelve. We just did another edition of the Pappy vs. Weller class at Sugar House this past that, Saturday. Man, I saw that. Missed the it. results. Yeah, it's always fun. Uh, the results uh, were on trend. Weller Twelve actually came out in a blind taste test above the Van Winkle, the Rip Van Winkle ten year that you saw earlier, the twelve year Lot B. Um, actually, out of twenty people, only one person chose the. 12-year Van Winkle blind. So the actually both Wellers, uh, eight people out of 20 chose Weller 12, seven chose Weller Antique 107. So 75%, 15 out of 20 chose Wellers over Van Winkles. So the, I want to talk about bourbon for, for a minute because I when we started this uh, podcast back in uh, what fe- January, February, yeah. I knew nothing. Like, I drank it. I drank it mostly in cocktails. Very rarely drank it um, neat. Um, I I can't even remember how many different bourbons I've tried this year. And I actually own probably eight or ten bottles now, um, all of which have been accumulated in the last year. Um, and I can like discern a good one from a bad bourbon from a good bourbon. That Kessler we had a couple weeks ago is probably <laughs> bottom of the barrel in terms of like quality. Don't don't vouch for it. I'm don't vouch for it, Bato. So, I was probably so it's also not technically bourbon. I was, oh, pro- okay. I was probably drunk to begin with. <laughs> I do have a question. Let me throw this at Jason because you're more of the spirits guy. Why call it neat over straight? If you're drinking something neat, you know, is that it's just like more professional? Say I'll take it neat versus I'll have it straight up. Yeah, I don't I don't know the answer to that. I should probably, but I don't. I just think it's neat. We drink out of solo cups. So yeah, that's why I call neat. it neat. <laughs> neat. I've, been at, I've been at bars and I say, uh, uh, you know, I'll take that over ice. And they're like, uh, what, do, do you want it in the rocks? I'm like, yeah, I want it in the rocks. <laughs> like over ice, it seems like a, it's a no-brainer to say over ice, but maybe I'm just I'm just an old man <laughs> saying things over ice. I don't know. I don't know. The, we probably need a, an episode one time just on, uh, you know, verbiage. And, uh, you know, the nomenclature of that all, like uh, what people should order and and the way to order things. And I want it up. Okay. So up means without ice, which is different from the need, of course. But, you know, you're talking about like a martini up. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say just off the top of my head, it seems more like straight up is more of a cocktail thing. I mean, I know that people do say that in reference to spirits, but um, I don't know. I don't really know the answer to that. And, and you know, Joe talks about this all the time on social media well, during our check the Google during our podcast and stuff about the importance of um, education from the 
uh, service standpoint to the consumer. And we talked about it a lot in our episodes about how important it is for the uh, establishment to educate the consumer and the establishment to educate their employees. So you never want the employee, we never want the consumer to feel uh, slightened because they said something like I want it on the rocks or I want it on ice or I want it neat or I want it straight up or something like that. Uh, what do you think, Joe? Like, how do you bridge that gap? And, and someone says, I want a neat, right? And, uh, I, cause I've gone places and I've, like I said, where I said, I want an ice. And I say, Oh, do you mean on the rocks? I'm like, no, on ice. It's the same thing. Or if someone goes someplace and says, I want it. Oh, can I get a, um, you know, can I get uh, some, uh, Jack straight or Buffalo straight? And they're like, Oh, do you want a neat? I'm like, there's a little bit of elitism there, right? Uh, <sighs> I think it's it's all semantics. I mean, what you're what you're referring to is like if you say you want something on ice, and someone has to, but should correct you to say on the rocks. It doesn't. But should a restaurant or, or establishment correct you, or no. or, or should, is there a more polite way to educate you on the uh, industry verbiage? I, I I mean, you're you're a customer. You're not a you're, you're not part of the industry. So I mean, you don't need to be uh, educated if it doesn't help you. If it's not like a, a piece of knowledge that you need, and I agree with you, I agree with you 100. percent I'm just, I'm just uh, spitballing here. Oh no, like, I know. I, like I, you know, when when places do that, like I mean, there could be a value if you're kind of way off, and someone's like, "Ah, oh, you really mean this?" You, <laughs> like, uh, um, I don't know, saying a food wrong or like, uh, 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 what's the uh, uh, what's the cheese in um, uh, tiramisu? Uh, Mascarpone. Yeah. There's mascarpone? No, there's no R in the mar. There's no mar. Mascarpone. Mascarpone. Right. So there could be value. Mar. mar. Right. But when you read it back, but people do it wrong. Yeah. They do it wrong all the time. Restaurants, bars, they all do it wrong. And it makes people want to go to Applebee's. <laughs> and it makes people want... The, the, elitist, the, the elitist people I that... I thought are, that was $1... Long Island. That's, that's right. right. That's, going, that's why going to Applebee's, right? Yeah. But the, the the elitist, the elitist, and these come from you know. I have a fair amount of lowbrow friends. You know, <laughs> what does that even mean? That means they love Miller Lite, even over Bud Light. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So straight up is an alcoholic drink that is shaken or stirred with ice and then strained and served without ice in a stem glass. Mm. Hence the straight up. Whereas neat, single, unmixed liquor served without being chilled, without any water. So when somebody asks you if you want your bourbon straight up, they're being incorrect. Technically. So you are a um, thank you expert. <laughs> no, I'm saying you are an expert in the bar world. I, I respect wouldn't go that far. Well, I didn't know the answer to that question. No, well, I respect you 150 percent in terms of anything bar related. Oh, thank you. And I. Use that to reference that we had, we, the three of us, you looked it up. None of us had the answer. So when you have an employee that works at a place that wants to kind of overcorrect the customer, even if the customer's wrong, you know, we have to strike a balance, I think. And we have to, I think there's value to educating the customer, Right. If the customer doesn't know what direction of the road they want to travel, you can help them travel that road. But I also think we have to make sure that we aren't um, puffing our chest and peacocking too much in this restaurant industry, restaurant and bar industry, and because we'll scare people away to places who don't give a shit, like the Chili's and the Outbacks and, and blah, 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 who are making millions and millions of dollars over people who are just out to have a good time. What what you're getting at, and I think is uh, like a larger issue, is this kind of like this lack of friction that you feel at places where people don't give a shit because there's very little passion. When someone's passionate, um, there's if you're not equally as passionate, or you come into the situation with with a uh, incorrect kind of uh, expectation, um, you're, you're gonna there's gonna be some sense of uh, it's going to be friction. So yeah. you, you're going to go there, and it's going to make someone uncomfortable. Um, for example, today uh, during the holidays at, at 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 our bakery, like at Ackroyd's, there's just all kinds of people, and um, for the most part, ninety eight percent of them are are fantastic. Um, and some people just 
have this belief that like you know we are uh you know super superhuman oh i yeah, let's talk about that post let's talk about that post that post was amazing oh was, my facebook post about that guy loved it sided with you a million times over uh talk about that post Joe. okay so well the, the larger issue there was talking about firing a customer right can i have so, the well or 12 we were talking about yes so we're gonna talk about Berman. firing of a customer i love it um so we have uh, had a guy send us an email, uh, basically telling telling me that uh, he, he couldn't believe he hadn't received his uh, his cakes yet, um, and that we were a like a two bit uh, hack organization. Uh, we we probably uh, um, you got uh, organization right, yeah, and he said something about worshiping the queen or something like that, which I I think is an insult, but I d- don't get it because like, don't really. Because we're, we're in America. Right. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't know why it would be bad. You know, whatever. So um, I responded to him. I just said, like, listen, man, I don't have to take your shit. And I didn't say that. But uh, basically, I was like, we're, I'm going to cancel your order. I'm going to refund your money. And, um, you know, have, bye. A, have a great Bye, Felicia. Life. Yeah. And um, did you I, have any I, negative response to that from the uh, community at large? No. Like the um, online community? The, the, the only – well, I, I mean, I didn't post it like on our Facebook – like on our company Facebook no, no, page. No, it was no, like no. personal. Um, no, no one – there was no negative response. I mean, the guy was it, – it's there's a, there's a fine line between when you respond online to people, right? Sure. So um, there's always an opportunity for someone to, to troll. There's always an opportunity for someone to jump down your throat um, if you take a stance against – uh, a, a belief system, um, the belief that uh, you know that our brand was uh, you know shitty wasn't wasn't a widely held belief, and um, for someone who uh, tries to provide great customer service like we do and like I do, um, it's really easy to tell someone that doesn't care that's going to be belligerent to just you know fuck off. Um, is this the first time you've ever had that experience, something like that, where you yeah. fired a, a customer? Yeah. I mean, to, to that extent. Because I'm um, sure you've had bad customers, like, oh, this isn't the, the cake that I thought I was going to get, or blah, blah, blah. Or, oh, yeah. Then you, then you accommodate people for the most part. I could tell you stories all day long. Um, but but the, the thing is, yeah, accommodation ends up happening, especially if it's, um, for the most part, like, if it's a matter of, like, you know, wrong day, wrong time, or sure. like, uh, you know, I, I wasn't happy with this. It's, it's a no brainer to, to just take care of the situation. Um, when, when, when the situation is resorts to name calling, then mm-hmm. you just, you know, you step in. Um, if I ever had anyone in the, in the, in the bakery, um, berating one of my employees, I would step in as well. Um, I call, just don't have time call, for that. Call the police. Is that what you do? You should. You do? I mean, I, I would never, I would advise every business owner, every business employee to call the police. Don't get involved in a physical, physical altercation with anybody. I mean, if you have security, like a bar kind of restaurant, you know, or, I mean, shit, we used to have, when I was at Chili's back in the day, when I was, when I was younger, there were fights in Chili's, <laughs> you know? And it's like, and I remember we used to intervene. And I was like, this, in hindsight, it was like the stupidest thing. Chili's could have ever endorsed was like, oh, inter- oh get between, like, no, no, call, <laughs> let them fight, let them destroy everything they want to destroy, move all the customers out, call the police, and let the police handle it because, you know, just assuming liability for, for different things. Right, right. Um, but I think this is a interesting conversation. We, we, we talk a lot about, you know, our, our thing is food, beverage, hospitality, right? Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about food and beverage. We talk about hospitality in and out, but I think kind of, Talking about hospitality the way we are right now, it just crosses boundaries. You're talking about a bakery who got berated by a customer, and you're like, enough's enough. This is this, is, this was online, just to be clear. This was an email exchange, not an in store exchange. So yeah. I just want to be clear about that. Like this isn't this wasn't something that happened like face to face. I'm I'm terrible with confrontation face to face, so I don't know if it would have um, worked out the same way. But um, you know, so okay, Jason, let's get back to this bourbon talk because I want to talk about. I do want to focus a little bit on this because um, I'm really excited about bourbon now. Yeah. And um, one of the things I want to talk about and something that I found in multiple stores in the area. So I mentioned keg and wine before um, holiday market does it too. Um, I know there's a place, uh, wine garden in St. Clair Shores that does it. They they have their own single, you guys do it at sugar house, yep. you know, um, 
It's pretty. It's becoming a pretty prevalent thing, just because so many people can't get these. Well, twofold. One, the brands hold it out in front of you as like, "Hey, you've got to buy these barrels in order to have a chance at getting these allocated products." So, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so, so that, that's like an investment? why. Yeah, okay. in a way, like I mean. Not we bought a lot more barrels in 2017, and we didn't really get a larger allocation. So can I can I interject for one second for for the a barrel for if you're thinking in terms of a fifth, what is a barrel compared to? Is how many barrel? How many? Oh, it could be any. Depend depends on whether the bottle is uh, served to you. Like these Buffalo Trace bottles are always proofed down to 90. Uh, like our Four Roses or the Valentine barrel that we're going to get that are. Uh, Cast strength, barrel proof, not proof down. Could be anywhere from like 85 to 130, something like that. Fist. Yeah, fist. Wow. But like a buffalo trace probably could be like 220 or something like that. Because it's proof down. Yeah, they okay. add water. Add water. You know, so they a product like buffalo trace, which is their flagship product, is uh, designed to be consistent over time, the flavor profile. So the, the barrels for the consumer – uh, it's really it actually works out for everybody. I mean, the producers are definitely holding it out as you know the carrot and the stick. Like, here's the carrot. If you buy these barrels, then you'll have a better chance at getting allocated products. But for the consumer, it's good because a lot of us can't get allocated products, and so you know the retailers can buy the barrels, and it's a way for them to differentiate themselves from somebody else to build up a reputation for making great barrel picks. That's how some of the stores like Keiko's at 14 and Woodward, Woodward super fine tippins all the way out in Celine, uh, uh, the, uh, wine garden in St. Clair shores, I believe, but the, the red bag, I mean, some of these places have built reputations being off being, having great pallets and being able to pick good bottles and being able to get good barrels, um, as well. And then the consumer is cool because they can get, you know, something that's different. It feels like it's, more special than just buying another bottle of Buffalo Trace or what have you, you know. So the 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 bottle of Buffalo Trace here from Keg and Wine. Yeah. Um, you said Buffalo Trace is brought down to ninety proof, right? Yeah. So so at water's added, and it's it's distilled to be pretty uniform across. Yeah, well, the flagship product is they basically blend a, a bunch of barrels and then. They blend those to get to achieve that consistent flavor profile. So, like Buffalo Trace has a flavor profile, Eagle Rare has a flavor profile. All of Buffalo Trace's products are designed to have different expressions with, you know, to hit different flavor profiles for different consumers. And how different is this? And I, I know we don't have a, a regular bottle of yeah. Buffalo Trace. How different is this than a regular bottle of Buffalo Trace? Um, I'm going to have to have another sip. It's. <laughs> You know, it's definitely very uh, smooth, which I like about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got another Weller 12, so. Yeah. <laughs> pour the Weller in here. <laughs> I love that this Weller guy. 12. That's so good. I mean, it's like the poor man's pappy, you know. Well, so let's talk about this whole, am, whole um, poor. these allocations and stuff like that. So Buffalo Trace um, is really prevalent. You can get it anywhere. Yeah, it's huge. Right? Um, you couldn't so, for a minute though, right? There was yeah, like a I mean, dry, even the bar like, is they're all of Buffalo Trace's products are almost allocated, almost all of them. I mean, like I don't even think at the bar we were having a hard time ordering it; it would just show up. There was a moment I couldn't buy Buffalo yeah. Trace at any party store; they were all sold out. Well, what's the hot? What's if Buffalo Trace is kind of the flagship? What's high? What what else do they own? Well, Buffalo Trace because they've got I mean Eagle Rare. So there's uh you know brands. Buffalo Trace only has – so Buffalo Trace is the brand of the bourbon. It's the bottle. It's also the distillery and the company that makes it. So not to get confused, Buffalo Trace, the distillery, makes a bunch of different expressions of bourbon. Buffalo Trace, the bourbon being one of those, um, that's like their flagship sort of – it's around 27 bucks or 28 bucks for a standard bottle to get entry price point. They've got brands like Eagle Rare. Uh, Blanton's, which is really popular. It's the original single barrel. That's like up in the 60 plus price point range. Um, they've got products like, uh, the Colonel Taylor, uh, brands. Colonel Taylor was one of the guys who originally was, or he did, was responsible for the bottle and bond act in the late 1800s, somewhere around there. 
So I have a bottle of that at Colonel Taylor. Yeah, at home, that's a great I, brand. And I uh, I love it, but I, I was shocked at the price difference. Like the bottle I bought was forty dollars. Yeah, and the next one, the next level up was near ninety. Yeah, they're I, probably well. It could have been the barrel proof one. Okay, people are also uh, a lot of the retail stores add a little more onto those because they're harder to get and they've okay. got a good brand. So uh-huh. Michigan's a liquor control state. There's a state minimum. You know, most most places aren't going to be able to put a, a higher price on Buffalo Trace because everybody has it. But those Colonel Taylors, uh, there's a small batch, which is 40, a single barrel, which is like 60, and a barrel proof, which is like 70 or something. But most of the places are going to charge more for those just because they don't come out all the time. And they've got, again, it's a lot of marketing, you know, the whole, the pappy thing. Um, you know, the Colonel Taylors, they come in a nice tube. The bottle's cool. It's got like this historical figure on it, his name, Colonel Taylor. Um, so they do a good job. I mean, Buffalo Traces does a great job at marketing. That's for sure. Elmer T. Lee is another one of their brands. That's really popular. The Stags, Thomas. Those Handy. are all Buffalo Trace. Yeah. It's, it's some of their marketing, um, built into like the whole swag where you have the no the bar at gear all. at the uh, you know talking like the stuff at the oh, bar I know yeah no. they're actually no not at all i mean they they don't really do like the events like we do with a lot of brands at the bar um no but when you go to a bar and there's like a statue of a buffalo or they yeah. or, the, or they have the napkin holders i mean that that's got to so you don't see i mean rel- at least from what i've seen which is i think at least what i've seen in the city of detroit you don't see a lot of that around. I mean, there's some stores, maybe some of the best retailers, but relative to the swag that a lot of these brands throw around, Buffalo Trace is not known for mm. uh, providing uh, swag. Or I have to know, think that, like that. Uh, bottle design goes a long way. I I think that for Bullet, like you look at a Bullet bottle, rye or bourbon, the, the bottle design, I mean, I enjoy the, the liquor itself, but the bottle design I think helps sells it. I mean, Absolute had a – I hate Absolute. I'll go on record saying that. But they had the best marketing uh, for the last I – mean, up until recently, you know, the last 15, 20 years, they had the best marketing or behind every GQ magazine or any uh, major kind of publication they had, Absolute this or that. Uh, what do you think uh, from what you've seen is the marketing – because for Buffalo Trace, because you don't see ads for it, you don't see – Billboards for Buffalo Trace, or how? But but everyone knows what it is. Yeah, I mean the I would say a, a large part of it comes from being associated with the Pappy Van Winkle brand. Um, okay. That's part of it. The other part is you know the brands that they do put out. Uh, Eagle Rare, it's like purely American. Uh, Elmer T. Lee, a lot of the I mean a lot of the brands in bourbon are capitalizing on or speaking to people based on this idea of uh, like this romanticized version of the old South and it's purely American. Uh, You've got these kind of like good old boys, Elmer T. Lee, Booker No, Colonel Taylor, Elijah Craig, like, List can't have goes a name on like Colonel, and, and that be. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's and like you know they're get Pappy Van Winkle. I mean, they put these the pictures of these guys on the bottles because they're like they're all like the grandfather that you want to drink with on the porch, smoking and drinking and listening to stories. You know, but like, that's part of it. Um, here's, here's is a, old granddad their their label too. Old granddad is made by Jim Beam. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, um, it wasn't was always, that, but it is because that's the original uh, kind of old man on the yes, label, right? That's correct. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> always; it was made originally by National Distillers, which had a great reputation. It's now owned by Jim Beam. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's not just Buffalo Trace. I mean, all these brands are using that. You know, they're tapping into that sort of like there's history and that really like um, heavy American culture. You know, Nostalgia, South the heavy yeah. South, and like I mean. I you can go to Kentucky and it's like the Southern hospitality in the land and uh, I know there's some YouTube videos that I was watching and it's hard it's it's hard to deny I mean I, whatever the uh, like For a bourbon second, I trade he said group you too no uh. absolutely not the uh, the bourbon trade group a few years some years back before like that generation just passed away 
of these uh, older distillers, they did this like oral history project where they sat down with all these old guys, Elmer Tilly, Booker No, and they just, you know, videotaped them talking about their experiences growing up in the South, selling bourbon with their families. I mean, the Jim Beams, it's they're on their seventh generation of Beam family members who are still at all the, you know, a bunch of different distilleries now they've branched out, but they're seven, they're seven generations in. That's pretty substantial, you know, goes back a long way. So then has bourbon reached like its height of popularity? Is, are we going to see some, some other spirit kind of jump over it? And I'm not trying to compare it to vodka. Yeah. I, I think vodka is kind of this entity to itself. It doesn't taste like anything. Like there's no craft vodka isn't, no, and, yeah, no disrespect to Valentine. No, I mean, it's a, you yeah. know, you know I, um, I get what you're saying. Yeah. The but, consumer profile has definitely moved away from vodka. I mean, not back into bourbon. I, I don't think bourbon's got ways to go still, but the pro, you know, it's inevitably going to reach the point where, uh, you know, it's attracting so many people. These brands are putting out the highly allocated products like the Buffalo Trace and Tea Collection and the Pappy Van Winkles. Even if they grow their supply 3% this year, which, you know, they definitely put out more bottles than last year, unfortunately, demand has still grown like 10 to 15%, 20% more. So, like, there's just no way to keep up, and the prices keep going up and up. And even this year versus last year, uh, you know, going around to the different liquor stores, seeing the way that the liquor store owners are pricing the bottles, um, it's getting a lot harder to find them. The, the state just cracked down on raffles. That was a good way. One of the only ways that a lot of people had a chance. Holiday market was famous for it. Um, you know, crack down on what about them? They're, they're just illegal. Apparently, you cannot give away alcohol. Well, no, it's not. No, I know that. that. It's I not know that. that. They're not giving it away, but it's something about um, not uh, not offering all of your uh, customers the same opportunity to get the bottle. Like, so if you holiday market would say open their raffle for a month. You would go in, you just put a ticket in, and then one person one ticket. And it was free. And it was free. Yeah. And then, you know, on one day they would just start pulling raffle tickets. The first ticket they pulled, you had your first choice at whatever their allocated products were at state minimum, which is a really great deal. And then they go on down the line. And I got a bottle two years ago. That was actually the first highly allocated bottle that I got was from the raffle. Uh-huh. And so this year they just shut a bunch of them down. And actually we were advised at the Sugar House because sometimes for events we do raffles too, like – we were trying to do a raffle for the Don Q uh, uh, fundraiser for Puerto Rico and give away some stuff. But, yeah, it, it's illegal and it has something to do with uh, the fairness, the equity, and not everybody having the same opportunity to get it. You have to offer well, the we same thing We haven't talked about it before then. It just hit me up and, you know, I have a pretty decent knowledge of the liquor laws. And, yeah. Uh, I'd be happy to research it, you know. Yeah, but, but I mean, I, I mean, I've seen enough to know that it's illegal and that they're shut. That they got active this year. Their uh, holiday market. There was another big one in Grand Rapids that got shut down too. Um, so I know it's definitely something that they've been paying attention to. But the a lot of the retailers this year have been definitely charging more, closer to secondary for the bottles. Um, so in Michigan's liquor control state, there's a state minimum. You can charge more, but you can't charge less. Um, and so that's a trend where it's like, you know, people, it's very, it's hard, you know, they get excited about things. Like you said, you've bought eight to 10 bottles in a year. Inevitably you want to try more stuff. Like there's these bottles, they have reputations, you know, and they're hard to find and they can be somewhat expensive. And so seeking them out and finding, if you can find them at a bar or, you know, luck up on a retail location who will sell you one, like, you're talking about the beverage warehouse. Then you're like, oh, my God, I just got this, like, awesome bottle at the uh, regular cost. You know, but for, that's not the experience that most people are having. Yeah, and let, let me talk about the experience at beverage warehouse that I, that I recently had, and, and this is pretty incredible. And the reason why I'm, I think I'm into bourbon and drink to drinking in general. So I'm, you know, driving back from Ackroyd's, and I'm, you know, I uh, checked Instagram before I left, and I saw Ben from – Best in Bourbon, who was a guest on here yeah. uh, a few months ago, um, posted that they had that uh, Beverage Warehouse had um, the Rip Van Winkle tenure, and they're selling at state minimum. I thought I, I saw like, that too. <laughs> yeah, and, and I said, "Oh shit, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna swing by. It's on my way home. I'll I'll swing by and see if he has any left." So I walk in, and I, I don't know the guy. Never met him. You know, never met him before. I said, "Hey, you got any of that Rip Van Winkle?" Guy? 
left? He said, no, no, it's only had a couple bottles, already sold them. Um, how'd you find out? I said, Ben from Best in Bourbon posted about it. He's like, oh, well, let me take out these bottles that I have here and I'll do a little tasting with you. So he let me taste through four different bourbons. One of them was a Russell Reserve that they, uh, 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 their own pick. Yeah. It was awesome. And that's what I ended up buying. And, you know, like the customer experience was awesome. Like, you know, he was really excited to show me what they had. Um, it's like, I have 11 bottles open. You want to try all 11? I said, I think I wouldn't be able to drive home at that point. Yeah. I think he was kind of kidding too. But um, after the Russell, drinking the Russell Reserve, which I don't think I've ever had prior to that moment, it's like, I don't need to try anything else. This is fantastic. Well, that's the dirty secret about uh, about those single barrel picks and just bourbon in general is that so much of the marketing, like the fear of missing out and the psychology of, you know, wanting something that somebody else has. But just like I said about the sugar I was drinking team that we, you know, class that we've been doing, that's why I structured it that way, do it blind, because day in and day out, class in, class out, you know, people taste these products blind and they often don't even choose like the most expensive ones right, blind, deal. you know, and so um, it, the, the more you drink, so there's a couple things going back to the first question, circling around, it's like, A, you know, people seek these things out and then... Oftentimes when they find these things, they're like, oh, wow, I ended up just paying a lot of money for this and it's not even as good as something I could have bought from a single barrel or really off the shelf already. So, Can I switch, can I switch gears for a minute? Sure. And we're talking about drinks. Let's, can we talk so, a little bit about food? Yeah. What? So you were talking about like uh, Joe was talking about um, is bourbon the top, right? Like are we on to something else? Is you know, it's I mean, rum is definitely rum is in definitely there, yeah. you know it's creeping in there. It's uh, definitely getting a wider. Uh, I think mezcal now. is going to make a break in too. I, I bought bottles of all of them this year. Yeah, rum, mezcal, bourbon. what for food? Yep. Where are we at with that? Like, what's going to be the next? Like, we have all these scandals going on right now. People are dropping out. John Besh, fucking Mario Batali, everyone's dropping out. That's not food related. It's, yeah, it's, it's food, but yeah. Uh, but know. to give Mario Batelli credit, though, his cinnamon buns are still <laughs> popping. Though, it's like, oh that. man, I can't dig what you're doing, but I love your meatballs. You know? No, you didn't hear about this. Did you hear about this email? No. Oh shit! So so Batali basically sends out this. I did uh, see it. It was on Twitter. Yeah, he sends yeah. out this email basically right. apologizing for all the fucked yeah. up shit he's but, done, and he's like, "But here's yeah, my but, pizza dough cinnamon rolls." P.S. For those asking, here's that recipe. Like, come on, man. Like, man, I, fuck. Yeah, no, but we don't like you, but we love your food. <laughs> right? There's a... Uh, kind of like... So, we cringe, but I'm guessing that, like, I mean, all... What do they say? All press is good press, number one, and... <laughs> this is Some, not good press. Yeah, but, but and this is a guy that also stole from his... Like, stole from tips. And but like, he got away... Oh, like, that. That, he, he went past that. I, that, I, I know, I get it. So I you understand. think Italy is taking a hit right now? No, oh, no, no. I don't think that. I, you think his restaurant? No, I don't think his no, restaurant. He went past that. No, no one's. No one is uh, boycotting Batali's restaurants or his businesses right now. I don't think. I, like there, there's this out. There's manufactured outrage, right? And and it's not even manufactured. It was like this is something you can get legitimately outraged about. However, like people forget so quickly. Yeah. Like it, we're, we're so inundated, and if you're, people still love Guy Fieri, and he's well, Guy Fieri hasn't had any scandals. He needs a scandal. His frosted tips might be a scandal, but that's about it. Like that's food. What's food's a scandal? But, but the, we, the, I used to love his show, and then it's like, oh, what was I doing? I'll, I'll, I'll be. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll shout out another podcast, the, the Sporkful uh, with Dan Pashman. He interviewed Guy Fieri a couple months ago. Holy shit, it was a great interview. Was it? Yeah. It, it, so it, like, is he all marketing? Do you think Guy nah, Fieri? I, like is he like this? I'm riding this surf wave of making me so much money because his diners, drive-ins, and dives was pretty cool. Except for his the, signature sauce is donkey sauce. Like, w of course it's fucking marketing. Like, wh what do you want? Like, what, do you want to put something called donkey sauce in your mouth? No, <laughs> no. Well, our producer's like, yes, I do. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, almost spit out, spit out my brain. And I'm like, that's not what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so where's, where, where's our where's our food um, peak here? Like, where are we at? Like in Detroit or nationally? I'm or just where? saying. Like, I mean, there's just so much going on. Uh, 
so I, I am a, I am a student of a you know I'm writing a, a much different health craze than I think a lot of people are writing. I am I'm not paleo. I'm uh, I'm following this like ketogenic kind of thing. I'm into no. I know you're laughing, Man, but we're not, we're, like I'm into or like I'm always into organic because I don't believe in pesticides. I'm more into non-GMOs. Um, you know, I have you, Joe, and I are you know we're similar because we have little kids, and I want to make the best world for them. And they're you know we grew up. Well, you're so much younger than me, but we grew up <laughs> in a much different lifestyle than everyone else. And so I look at food, uh, I look at restaurants in a much different light than everybody else. Plus my bariatric experience makes things a lot different. I look around and I see, uh, I see a lot of great stuff out there and I see a lot of crap and I try to balance the two because, uh, I know that, uh, it's not always going to be the best experience. Like I never want my kid to have fast food. Like that's my goal. Never to have McDonald's ever, ever, ever. You can't control that. If you go somewhere else, someone's house. Right. Culver's doesn't count as fast food. I, yeah, I can I mean, control it. Because <laughs> I no, I can no. I mean, if we go to McDonald's, those fried cheese curds though, I'm just saying. Shit. If we go to someone's house and they have McDonald's, uh, no, I, I can control it. Like if uh, what? No, you're not going to be with your. Uh, what I'm trying no, to no, right. If is, he goes to someone's house and they have McDonald's and it's like yeah, he's in front, yeah you, you want some chicken nuggets and he's going right. to be like, he's going to come home and be like, right. Dad, I had chicken nuggets. You're going to be like, what? But you you look at uh, you look at the markets. Uh, whether it's Fresh Time coming out. Uh, I think Fresh Time came out this past year or the year before. Aldi's another one. Aldi's almost all organic now. Really? They're, they're, yep. Okay, Affordable. Kroger's. And yep. I, don't, I don't shop at Kroger's, but Kroger's is switching up. Um, there's a lot of places switching up to follow the trend that we're kind of all being pushed down this road, which I don't think is bad. Uh, but uh, at the end of 2017, where are we at? In term, I mean, so okay, so here, here's what here's what I see happening, right? So we had we have the apparatus room, right? The Foundation Hotel opening a, a tasting menu, uh, um, the the chef's table option, right? We have in in January we're gonna have Siren Hotel open with Albina with Garrett Lapar opening, and um, he'll do another taste. We're gonna have tasting menus in Detroit. Love the tasting okay. menu, right? So this is something that we haven't had, like exclusive tasting menu options. Uh, well, Torino ever. had a tasting menu. Well, right, and that was Garrett's. That right. was Garrett then, too. Uh, um, Regato's got it over at Mabel Gray, but it's not a, not an exclusive type oh, of I, situation, I, I right? So Albina and um, Albina, Albina, whatever it's going to be, and then Lance at the chef's table. That's exclusively a tasting menu, right? Gotcha. Um, most chefs will provide a tasting menu if you ask, but um, so I think that that kind of like full on experience, chef forward experience, is something that we'll see in the next year maybe the next two years. Um, I think that we're going to see a, a greater push with, we talked about this with Regato, with James Regato a couple weeks ago, this Coney, shawarma, these Detroit-centric foods, Detroit-style pizza. Um, with our gonna, folks from Giordano's and our folks from Buddies. Right. And and we'll talk, and you know we'll see that in the next, that we'll see more of like a, an embracing of that, of the like the foods that make Detroit, Detroit, right? Um I'll maintain that there is no better Middle Eastern than Dearborn and Detroit right now. I mean, this area, any even our shit Middle Eastern is better than most Middle Eastern across the nation. That's just because of the area we're we're, we're in, right? We have the most Middle Eastern people in Dearborn than outside Mexican of the Mexican food's East. pretty good. You go to Mi Pueblo? Oh, ugh. I was just there. It's fantastic, yeah. right? Um, now, have I eaten Mexican in New Mexico or Arizona? Or I haven't. Or Texas? Like I haven't had that. But um, uh, again, like our ethnic food in this area, like in whatever ethnic means, to let it encompass, like uh, you know, Middle Eastern, Eastern Italian's European, great. Italian, Italian's like great. all of that, Scottish. You know, um, you Baco know. is still one of my favorite restaurants in the, in the country, and that is the experience that you get there. It's the food. Uh, they know what they're. I mean, there's just love in all the food. But you're going to see the bat, the bad side of this with all the growth that's happening, right? We're going to see people expanding too quickly. You're going to see people falling on their faces. It's going to happen. And um, I don't know who it's going to be. I'm not calling anyone out. But th- there's going to be places that expand too quickly, open too many locations, and all of a sudden they're providing really shitty food with really shitty service, and people are going to notice because as we progress. 
this way, as we progress towards more saturation, people are going to get more savvy there's as pl- consumers. There's, there's places that ex- expanded, like national chain type places. That uh, so I'll, I'll just put it out there. Calexico. I've never been there. Have no desire to go there. I've been because I can go down the street and have super authentic uh, Mexican food that you know that I grew up with, and I don't have to have the Chi-Chi's version at a you know at a downtown price. But yep. I mean, at twelve years old, Chi-Chi's was pretty badass. When the I was twelve, fri- the fried ice cream was pretty badass <laughs> because because at my household we didn't have friggin' fried ice cream. Jalapeno Pete's next to Westland Mall was my jam. I'm going to open up a churros fucking stand because you can go to Chicago, a Navy Pier, and you're like, churros. I'm like, oh, my God. That's like the best. They fry them in front of you. I don't know if I buy your argument, though, because when I was in Chicago this spring, uh, we went to the Chinese restaurant in one of the trendier neighborhoods. I can't remember which one, but it was called uh, like Wan Fun or something, Wan Fun (laughs) Chinese. It was cool. I looked at the website because I was, you know, trying to figure out where we should go and like, oh, this website looks pretty cool. Looks pretty like a, you know, hip, trendy place. Um, so we went there and I was reading some of the reviews. And of course, the people on some of the reviews were saying exactly what you were saying. Like, well, what the fuck? This place, like, why would you go to this place when you could go to, like, you know, Chicago's got authentic Chinese 10 minutes away. You could go there. And uh, so I actually went to both. And I had a great time in this restaurant. Was it like super authentic? I don't even know. Would my palate appreciate it one way or the other? Super authentic? I don't know. But you know what? I had a really good meal there. I enjoyed it. And then so the service, next day we went every, to the, the, the whole. Oh, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, some of these authentic places, though, like they go to Trizust in Madison Heights. Awesome. But like, you know, when you walk in the first time, you're like, mm, I'm feeling a little wary because. That place could definitely use some updating, you know. It goes back to the beginning of the I mean, Social Mikos was authentic. That place has fallen uh, way behind. Social Mikos is not authentic. Social Mikos, oh, well, it's in Mexican town, so it's I guess. It's not authentic. That's the, mm-hmm. Like, it is authentic, but I always used to say. Authentically so, tech, tech Social Mikos is the Taco Bell of Mexican food. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it, all right? I went there as a kid. My family, who is from Mexico, went there. Like, we were known by, like, first name. We went there. And then when I grew up, I was like, this is Taco Bell of Mexican food. And, and, as, and as tasty as it was, it you shouldn't be able to order a dish. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to say You shouldn't be able to order a dish and in like 10 minutes have it come out. That's not even 10 minutes. Yeah, it's like. But let's be honest. But but here's. But, but it's also, tasty. And it's. But it's. you got to balance between. I want something really authentic tasting. And I'm okay with the way it tastes authentically. Or I want something that's I mean, timely. Taqueria Del Rey doesn't take a long time. And they've got great chicken and tacos. Yeah. I mean. Yep. Or or any Chinese restaurant, like casual, fast Chinese restaurant you go to, you order and it comes right out. It's like, whoa, did you, this wasn't made to order, was it? <laughs> because if it was, uh, you know, and, and as consumers, we... I don't mind waiting. Like I've learned, and that's me. As and I tell all my friends, I'm an elitist. I expect more out of my food, but as a consumer, I'm I have patience because I'm elitist. I have patience. I want my food to be more authentic. I want my food to be made with love and care, and I want to have fresh ingredients. And I don't, uh, I don't mind waiting an extra amount of time for you to prepare it properly. But these some of these places that have Stuff ready to go, and they're rocking and rolling as as shit comes out. I don't know if that's the way that we want to go as society. I mean, that's the way we've gone, but I don't think that's the right thing to do. So, so I recently I've been to a couple places. So, um, a couple months ago, I went to Maddie Senegalese restaurant in Detroit, um, and then in the same same couple of weeks, I went to Jamaica Pot on Eight Mile, Detroit, and then I went to a, a place in Allen Park called Kardashians Bakery. All three places told me, like, I walk in, I just place an order, and it's like, oh, it'll be right up. Right up meant a half an hour. Now, to your point, patience. I'm very patient as well. Half an hour is a half an hour a a, a reasonable time for patience. The food in all three instances, Maddie's, Jamaica Pot, and Kardashian's was all fantastic, and I would recommend it to anyone. But 
when you go into a place is a ticket line is a ticket line in front of your order I don't know appropriate I don't know because it, I can't see it right so if they come in and say there's 60 tickets in front of you your ticket's going to be an hour an hour six you know half an hour then the argument's there but you're setting expectations that most restaurants don't even set so if I went into I, I, I've been in restaurant I've been to like Imperial and Ferndale and like I'll, I'll wait 45 minutes for tacos and the 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 bartender will eventually come up a half an hour in and be like, "Oh shit, your food isn't here yet." Hey, so you can and, wait forty five minutes for a table, right? Places, yeah, yeah. And, and like again, the 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 larger experience of dining out for me is about camaraderie, about like enjoying the company you're with, and absolutely. And so if if but also expectations. So if at Imperial, where the food usually comes out in five minutes, because you know it, it, they're pretty quick normally. Um, they tell me, okay, you know, here's took take. I'll take your order. It's going to be about forty minutes for food. No problem. I'll order a drink. I'll order two drinks. No, n- no worries, right? But if expectations aren't set, and when expectations are set of like it'll be right out. Well, what does right out mean? So it goes back to the thing that we first talked about. This that we the staff politely has to instruct the customer or say the right things to the customer, right? If you're ordering a steak well done, guess what, man? It's going to take some time. Or if, uh, hey, we got 40 orders in front of you and you're the last table we sat in a 200-seat restaurant, man, it's going to take a little bit of time. But if it's a, you know, 20-seat restaurant and, you know, it it goes, same thing goes for the bars, right? So as we went into this craft cocktail kind of world five or so years ago, and bartender starts saying, hey, it's going to take a few minutes for you to get your drink. Don't think you're going to get a drink as fast as you did uh, at the you know shot and pour kind of bar. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, well, it's taking 20 minutes to get my drink. Well, yeah, well, we're making them to order. It's not like a batch kind of thing. That was an educational process. And some people still don't get it because you'll go to a place and they're like, oh, man, it's, it's taking like 10 minutes to get my drink. Well, yeah, but you ordered a drink that's got like you know a lot of components to it and a lot of – fresh components to it. So be friggin' patient about it. That also becomes a competitive advantage though, because any bar worth their salt these days understands that that's what they're facing and is going to strive to keep that time down. Right. Like that's what separates the bars that are having success versus the ones that, you know, obviously every place has to have cocktails now and people are seeking them out and, even to be like in the conversation, that doesn't mean that everybody is knows how to execute a high level of service. So that's what, you know, separates them. I mean, personally, I, I don't think, uh, knock on wood, but like, I mean, 10 minutes is exceedingly long, even at the sugar house in a busy time. You've got to know how to execute, you know, high volume craft cocktails. No, but and, some places are high and then you can't have an extensive, ridiculously extensive list if you can't produce. Yeah. Like if you're a, if you're a sugar house, a rent company, you can put out an extensive list and say, hey, we can do this. But if you're like a novice kind of place, you can't have, you can only have a few drinks on the list and say, these are our, you know, this is what we're offering right now. If you want to order some off this, then you kind of expect what you get. Um, but I, I think that there's a mix of we have to, we have to have staff that is able to educate consumers in the next coming year. That takes training. It takes, it takes, we have to invest in training. We have to have staff that can educate consumers. We have to have consumers that, uh, you know, you, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I mix of this because I I think the consumers should educate themselves, but I also think that you should be able to walk into a place and not feel stupid. You know, I think that a consumer should be able to educate themselves, but if you walk into a place that is more of a high end place, because we don't have white tablecloths anymore. Let's be honest, right? We don't have these places that are, you got to walk in with a certain tie and the person's like, oh, you're underdressed. But they should know that, hey, you can't order the souffle and it's going to uh, be out here the moment you order. Or you order a drink that's got a lot of complex things going on and it's going to be right out here. Or you walk into a place that's got a high table count and think that you're going to get your order right away. Or I don't know. There's, there's, there's uh, education levels on both ends moving into the next year that uh, uh, need to be addressed. I think that a lot, I think that uh, podcasts are helpful. 
I think that the expansion of the um, uh, book scene and magazine scene is helpful. I think TV's hurt us, to be to be ridiculously honest, right? But so, all right. So so here we are at the end of 2017, and we're about Woo! we're 43 <laughs> episodes in. I'm gonna put you guys on the spot, and I, and I want and I want to like kind of put us on record. Vato, I know you're going to be out for the first uh, semester going back to school. I'm going to go back to school. Show your show. No, no show need to work on fool. another master's, but why not? <laughs> um, but what do you guys want to see from us in 2018? From us being heard podcast, what 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 what's our goal? Uh, I think our goal uh, is to follow along the lines of education. I think that what we've done well is that we've had guests on. Uh, and we've had discussions that have been educational to folks. I think that we've uh, uh, bridged the gap between um, what the expert knows and what the novice uh, or not even like lower than novice knows. And I think that uh, Herd Podcast, who's out there uh, talking about food, beverage, and hospitality, uh, bridges that gap and says, okay, you may not know this, but let me help you out. And I think it bridges the gap on the other side saying, you are the expert, but let me tell you what the novice thinks. Let me tell you what the enthusiast thinks. Let me tell you what the person who is so into the the food scene or beverage scene in Detroit or whatever region, but obviously we're from Detroit. So here's what they feel and think and are missing because, uh, you know, we're 10,000 degrees above them or 10,000 feet above them. And I think that what our podcast should do and what I think a lot of podcasts should do or a lot of places should do is say, we are bridging that gap. We are making people feel comfortable uh, to go into a place and say, you know, I really don't know what Buffalo Trace is. When, when, when someone comes up and says, what can I get you to drink? I have no idea what I want to drink. Can you help me? And the, Servers should be able to say yes. At the same time, we should help those servers say, uh, or we should help those owners tell, we should help those owners say, your server should be able to do this or this or this. Uh, and as a podcast, having the guests on we're having, I'm hoping that people listen and say, your server should do this. It's all about education. It all goes back to training. We're training the consumer, we're training the employee, we're training the owner. And I'm hoping that uh, the takeaway is, moving on 2018, is that you can listen here, and whether you're a consumer, a novice consumer, an expert consumer, whether you're a novice uh, employee or expert employee, you take away something there. Man, that's tough to follow up. I got (laughs) to keep it concise. I just want to continue to provide a platform for uh, people to come on and, uh, you know, have these discussions and surface uh, whatever it is that they're facing because uh, we're, we've are we been fortunate uh, to be in a city, Metro Detroit, uh, that's been growing almost exponentially and uh, being able to just highlight uh, the issues that people are dealing with and uh, creating a a system or a situation where we can just think about them a little bit more. That's all I hope to do. Basically just continue what we do. You know, we've been fortunate to have a lot of really great guests this year. So, um, just try to keep that up. Man, I like, I like your going. answer better, man. Like your answer is so much better than mine. <laughs> I don't know about that. But. I should have been more concise. I do want to add one more thing. I think concise was good though. It was. Sorry, dude. Holmes, skillet. I do want to add, who. I want to add one more thing. That's as concise as it gets, just to be fair. <laughs> no, it is. Woo! I want to add one more thing. If, of course. In my absence, Joe Hakim needs to wear a food shirt every freaking time you guys broadcast. Because <laughs> today, what's your food shirt? Fruitcake. Fruitcake. Fruit oh, my God. <laughs> one day he had on, when we took a picture for pizza, you had pizza pants on. <laughs> like, oh, I can't be thematic every week, man. I can't. You I can try. You can. I like we were saying, you know, and, and shout out to to, to Liz Co- to uh, Liz Cosby with the uh, twelve shirts of Christmas. It's happening. 
next year, 12 shirts of Christmas, it's a thing. We can do 12 shirts of something. We could. We can. We'll see. So, all right. So, 2018, Herd Podcast, more diverse. We're going to see some more diverse guests. All right. Whatever that means, we'll, we'll make, you know, whatever your definition of diversity is, we're going to make that happen. More gratitude. I, I am 100% behind being thankful for every damn thing that happens to us. We've been doing this for a year. Um, we have some listeners. I don't know how many subscribers we have. I don't care. Thanks, Mom. Thank you for every single one of you that has subscribed to us and, and uh, appreciative of listening to our voices every week. Um, every guest that has been on, uh, thank you for, for spending time with us. And we already have some guests lined up for January. We're, we'll have some guests lined up for February and March soon enough. Um, it's exciting to have people excited to, excited to talk to us. Um, hopefully we have some off, uh, line events like we did recently, more events. Yeah. We'll do more events in 2018. Um, we're going to drink more bourbon in 2018. Oh, yeah. We're going to, we're going to drink more, more bourbon, less, uh, cooking cherry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's not do cooking cherry. Um, thanks Nick to, for, for that. Uh, we'll drink more of anything that is put in front of us. Hey, props to Nick and Dave. Yes. Yep, Nick and Dave were, you know, Nick, Nick is at Hugh tonight. Uh, he could have been here, but he, he could have. But he's, he he's Nick could have been here. I feel so brisky. <laughs> it's so brisky. Um, it, you know, and, you know, the, the Optimist Society is opening a couple couple more places. Oh, a couple. Yeah. couple uh, in 2018 like at probably least. Probably 10. Yeah. <laughs> a couple. The, foot, I don't know. the footprint is so huge. Hopefully not, like Joe said, the hopefully not opening so many places that you can't continue to. Uh, you guys are you guys are well. One it. of the largest issues that we've seen that we've consistently heard about with, with operators uh, that have been on is uh, I know yeah no pun intended um, is the the the, um, the kind of the the, the lack of uh, people that, yeah. that are willing to work and um, it, it, if one thing one thing I would like another thing one of the goals for 2018 for us to have people on that aren't necessarily owners or producers that are just working the line, the, working the front lines. So you're, you're, you know, uh, a, a bartender, a server or someone who just wants to come on and just like talk to us for an hour. Let's make that happen. Not, not trying to be too regional, but the great thing about Detroit is that most, uh, line folk become, uh, owners. They become uh, managers They become, well, I wouldn't say most, but many. Yeah. 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 No, it's like, there's a lot of uh, I think I think more a lot of internal like promotion. In more importantly, is uh, hello, hello, hi. We have a call. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm running a little late, guys. I'll be there in like five minutes. Who is this? This is Nick. Nick. Nick drinks. Oh, <laughs> oh, Nick. It's a little Hello. late calling. You're, you're coming. You're, you're going to be here in that five was, minutes. That was my fault. I wasn't paying attention to my phone, Saint? and he had Facebook messaged me what's the number so I can call in. Saint, Saint Nick. Are, are Saint, you still there, Nick? Saint Nick. The I Nick. am still there. Yes. Hello. Hello. Hey. We're 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 kind of so, winding up. Are, are, are you? Well, are you what's really his goal in? for 2018? Nick, Saint Nick. No, Saint I'm, Nick. Uh, Saint Nick Britsky. So Britsky. <laughs> so Britsky to call in when you're not here. What is I your? Know, right? What's your goal? What's well, your go- yeah, so what's the goal? So the the question I just posed was for for Herd Podcast 2018. What what's what's the one thing, or not even the one thing? What do you want to see from us in 2018? People listening to our podcast. Wow, that's so. <laughs> that's not that. What do you? No, what, no, no. Like lar- right, so larger than that. Let me let me change it. What did you like from 2017? You know, here's what I think we did a great job of, you know, as being as kind of scrappy as we are, I think we had some incredible guests. And I think that really goes to some of the, you know, the the dynamic that we had between the group and some of the good questions that we had. And I think as people left, they were just like, hey, these guys are cool. Go check them out. So I think that's what we've really done a good job at. So so starting with that, what do you think for 2018? Starting with what? 2018. Next 2018? Year. Yeah. Uh, just how do getting, we how do we improve on that? Newer, cooler people. How do we improve? Keeping no. getting. Right. Keep, Hang keep up getting on him. <laughs> Hang up on him. He's not as intellectual are, are, as we are, thought. We... Are you on your way or no? No, I'm not no. on my way at all. Oh, fine. Yeah. All right. Thanks for calling in. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Long time listener. <laughs>
<laughs> Bye. Bye, Nick. So I think that brings us to our uh, uh, the, our the best end, line of the night. Yeah. So uh, th- with the end of 2017 happening, and so here here we are at the end with a bottle of Buffalo Trace, a bottle of Weller 12, a bottle of Presidente. Uh, we're going to sign off. Is there anything you want to say for the end of 2017, Vato? It's been a great run. I've I've learned as much as I. Uh, I've, I've learned hopefully more as much as I've imparted. I, I, it's been a, it's been awesome. All right. Jason. Mm. You do who you gotta do who no. <laughs> Rick Flair. <laughs> Rick Flair is not dead. Prayer for Rick Flair. Quick, quick prayer for Rick Flair. <laughs> got to, I mean, 2018 could be, you know, Hulk Hogan, Rick Flair. These guys could leave us anytime. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll be doing memorials but no uh, no I'm good man I'm having a great time alright for me until 2018 dine well friends there we go